0: Cleopatra will be joining us today, uh, not the 69 BC biggest legend ever, uh, part of the Platonomy dynasty, and in fact the only one to have learned the Egyptian language. Uh, the next best thing, which is Cleopatra Lawrence, and we will be discussing today some really spicy themes. Uh, Cleopatra is an archaeologist uh, who has worked excavating uh, Pompeii, and we'll be discussing Tutankhamun. The Boy King, Queen Nefertiti, uh, Mummification, The Race Against Time, The Sunken City, Atlantis, the village Schliemann. We will be discussing the site of Pompeii, the City of the Dead, and many more. So tune in. Salah. Is ClearPatch with Digs and I would seriously recommend following that page because it's the serious highlight of my day a lot of the time when I get updates and just some really exciting excavations um, spread out in a really clear and fascinating way.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for
0: having me. Oh, you're oh you're so so welcome. Thanks for coming on. Very excited. So um, so Cleo has been on the site excavating the ruins of Pompey and now works for National Geographic Documentaries. I'm guessing this is only in Egypt at the moment, Ancient Egypt.
1: Yeah, so we're doing two, two documentaries and both of them are about Ancient Egypt. Um, this first one is about these, these new tombs they found uh, just outside the pyramids, which is really exciting. Oh. Um, and then the other one is a series about... Um, what archaeologists are discovering in Egypt today. We did, actually, we had a first series, um, that came out last year and it was on channel four the other day. And so this is the second series where we kind of come back to the, to the archaeologists and see what they're finding.
0: Oh, so cool. Who, who was in the tombs? How many people? Was it like the Valley of the Kings or?
1: For the tombs by the pyramid. Yeah. These were basically, it's a stretch of the desert, um, can't remember what direction but below the pyramids uh, that's never been excavated and so around the pyramids there are loads of tombs because the pharaohs are buried in the pyramids but all their relations all the elites were buried around them um so most of it's been excavated but there's this patch of desert that hasn't been so it was really exciting because we got access to film them basically excavating this bit for the first time um lost tombs with the pyramids so that was really exciting that is really exciting. I also
0: saw the um, an update on your Instagram saying that the tomb of Tutankhamun was not found by Howard Carter, but instead a, a local water boy. And yeah. I thought I remember hearing about Howard Carter. and That was like a huge, huge like moment, pinnacle moment in history when he excavated that. So, how did, like, as an archaeologist, did that make you feel like there is so much more to explore and so much more mystery to uncover when you found out that it was? Not Howard Carter, but a water boy.
1: Definitely. I mean, Howard Carter was still Howard Carter was the director of the dig, um, but yeah. he'd been digging there for six years and had no results and was about literally about to give up. Um, yeah. And this water boy who came to the village uh, and to bring them water was apparently. I mean, who knows if this is actually true? Either he stumbled upon the top step of the tomb, or a better story is that he was clearing away some sand to balance his um, pottery jar of water, which is how they... they.
0: That last one, the latter one, it yeah. sounds less realistic. Okay, so so how is it that we know that, it? first of all, that it was Tutankhamen, and second of all, that we know that he was uh, well, a boy king,
1: but a king? So, yeah, that's a good question. So as a pharaoh, you have your own, they call it a cartouche, and it's basically yeah. a stamp with your royal name so okay his entire tomb were these stamps saying who he was and also if you have such a lavish tomb you know you're going to be a pharaoh basically Tutankhamun is um buried in the valley of the kings which is a burial, a burial ground for all of the all of the pharaohs the, not all of them but most of the pharaohs of the new kingdom
0: that's i'd say that's a pretty clear indicator so it's sort of like the mummification is is done in a more elaborate way, which reflects how like, much of an influence they were on ancient Egypt kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Uh you've got it's it's more that you've you've got these these pharaohs, I mean, they're buried with countless golden treasures. And yeah, didn't come.
0: Camus... They didn't they bury them with
1: food as well? Yeah, yeah. So that they a happy afterlife. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the most exciting find. Is it yeah, you're right. So they're buried with food that they can then eat in the afterlife. And actually oh, in one of the digs that we were filming, the best moment I got a WhatsApp from the director who was there, and the best moment was that they uncovered um like a three thousand year old loaf of bread that hadn't been seen. <laughs> but no! Yeah, that's just been mummified and Well not mummified, but had been preserved in the in the sand. That is seriously nuts. Yeah. (laughs) A piece of bread. I mean,
0: think of the countless things we haven't excavated, countless things we haven't found, but no, a bread. It stays. I
1: know, it's incredible.
0: (laughs) Thank God for that. Thank God for that. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, anyway, huge tangent. So from like the absolutely immensely well preserved mummies with really recognizable faces to the tiniest finds such as bowls and vases and really intricate details on jewelry what would you say
1: captivates you the most in archaeology? Ooh, I think for some reason, for me, it's underwater archaeology. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so, yeah, underwater cities. I mean, my I think, yeah, what captivates me the most is the work of this French team, which is led by a guy called Frank uh, Godio, and they excavate... Um, off the coast of northern Egypt. And they have found yeah. the most incredible, incredible underwater ruins. So they found, you know, parts of Alexandria. Um oh, wow. where Cleopatra and Alexander the Great lived. Um, oh, cool. They've found, and you can, you know, you can even, you can dive down and see the columns of Alexandria. Um, They've found yeah. a harbour called Thonis Heraklion, um, which is apparently was... It was it was a great mystery because uh, Herodotus had written about it and said that I think Heracles or Hercules in Latin had was the first place that he had set foot in Egypt. Um, yeah. So it was this mystical place, and then they found it. Sort of, I think it was about six kilometers off the coast of Egypt, and anchors and temples, and it's incredible.
0: Is the light? Is the have they found evidence of the Library of Alexandria? They haven't found that.
1: Um, oh. but they've found, they've found what they think is some bits of the lighthouse, I believe.
0: Okay. Well, that's, that's in itself is incredible. That for me, that's just so fascinating because the, like, for Greek mythology that actually come to life is a whole different kettle of fish. Like when, when you go around the, like Delphi and, and Sparta and all these places, like, and go on tours and actually see the mythology in place. It does really make you believe that, like, you could, you can understand it's so easy to go back and mock that they actually had these such strong beliefs. But when you, when it comes up like that, like being seen in the full, well, not full flesh, but like finding like intricate details, I'm so, like, they wouldn't be able to have any written evidence in
1: the sea, would they? I mean, uh, it's not, I mean, not I mean, yeah, you not can. can. Um, they, yeah, there is, in Egypt, you have these things called stele, which are, uh, these big, Pieces of rock that have writing on, and they say things like, "I don't know." They can anything. They can say anything to do with the laws, or or just a marker, for example. Um, anyway, yeah. they found one of these enormous, beautifully preserved ones in thonis Heraklion under the water. And I think it was it was it was talking about. Um, I think it was talking about uh, taxes or something. But what was great is that it showed the name of of the place um so yeah you yeah. can get writing but it has to be into rock okay oh wow i
0: had no idea that you could find that see so in terms of uh, the mummification i can imagine like considering the fact that the ancient egyptians went so happily through to their to their death and they wanted to encapsulate the soul and death and it was their death was just as important correct me if i'm wrong as their life it was a seriously significant moment for them so these well preserved bodies, as an archaeologist, as I can imagine you're pretty, pretty thankful for that. But would you say that it's like modern technologies such as DNA testing and sound waves uh, that have provided such strong information about ancient Egypt or the mummification?
1: Um, I think it's, it's both. I think that Egypt has captured people's imagination because you have these bodies that are completely preserved you you've got their hair you've got their eyelashes can't get over the eyelash thing that that just blows my mind carry on on. yeah exactly so you've got it really brings brings them to life you can actually see what they would have looked like um Mm. that I think that's why Egypt has captured everyone's imagination but then with the new technology it's really exciting because you can now figure out you know different families of mummies so With the new technology, like, um, with, uh, DNA testing, we were able to, Mm. to figure out who was, for example, Tutankhamun's mother.
0: So people thought it was Nefertiti and now
1: it's been not, that's been, um, established as incorrect. Exactly. So it's only with, with this new, these new tests that you're able to do that because, um, basically a lot of the royal mummies were actually, stored away in this one tomb and it was discovered and you've got all these these pharaohs' bodies um, yeah, just lying there, hidden. And so lots of times people don't really know who is who. I mean, sometimes you've got inscriptions on them to say this is Queen, whatever. Um, yeah. But there was this woman lying there and no one really knew who she was. And then they did DNA testing and from that they realised that she was June mother. So it's really exciting that something could happen. Yeah, no, no, that, that is. And it, it gives such like
0: hope for the future of like, Lord knows what we'll be able to discover in the next 50 years. I can imagine as an archaeologist, technology is actually an immensely positive thing. Like it doesn't have any negative implications. Like it, it doesn't, like, you know how like technology makes so many things more convenient and then you're less likely to come to a conclusion. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay, so ca- carrying on from Carmen, because he is obviously a fascinating character. Seeing that he died at nineteen, he had he had an empire for thirteen years, and w- and he was the last who was the last king of the eighteenth dynasty, and like, in- inherited like a really immense empire which was really spread out. So he came onto the throne so early, but then died at the age of nineteen. And I know that you've identified well archaeologists have identified damage to the back of his skull but do you think it was more likely being so young to have been a sudden illness or actually murder
1: yeah so there's there's lots of interesting things about his mummy so yeah you've got this hole in the back of his skull uh, which some people thought might have been murder like a blow to his head they found malaria parasites in in his mummified remains yeah in 2010 so then they started thinking maybe, in fact, it was malaria that could have killed him. I mean, yeah. at this time, there was so many diseases around. I mean, he had serious signs of inbreeding. Um, they were all married yeah. to their sisters <laughs> and. It doesn't help that they were, all the pharaohs were married to their siblings. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So he had a, he had a bend in his spine and some, I think some fused vertebra that was a sign of inbreeding. Um. Yeah, of he had a club foot, didn't Yeah, he? he had a club foot, exactly. Um and then he's also got this fracture on his on his knee. Um yeah. and then there were theories that maybe he had there was a documentary that questioned whether he had a chariot crash and that was how he maybe oh. broke his leg and got an infection. Um yeah. truth is no one really knows how he died. It makes it more of a mystery. Yeah, it's more a mystery. But I don't think, I can safely say that the blow to the back of his head, I don't think is true. It's more like done when he was being mummified, because obviously, you know, you have to take the organs out when you mum- mummify them, um, and accidents can happen as well when you embalm the body. Yeah, of course, because they sort of, they remove the internal organs
0: and everything. So I wouldn't be surprised if there was a blow to the back of the head, if they remove the brain as well.
1: Yeah, often, sometimes even remove it through the nose. Um, but yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, you never really know. Yeah, no, no, that's,
0: that's fair. Another huge mystery in ancient Egyptian archaeology is obviously the pyramids of Giza. Which, which presents astounding human ambition. I mean, it's, it's, whenever I start, people start talking about the pyramids of geezers, I really can't get my head around it because the specifics are so incredible. Like, eat purple sculpted, it sits right next to its neighbor. And, like, how long does it take to complete, like, two decades? Yeah. And the preci- precision, like, each decide the same length. So, what, what I'd like to know is what, what evidence do we have confirming that this was actually a human
1: achievement? I'd say we, we, we do know it was a human achievement, although some people like to say that it was, I don't know, alien. Thing. <laughs> you know, you've got, you, aside from the pyramids, you've actually got a whole village next to it where the pyramid builders were, were living and were buried. So yeah. you've got evidence, um, that these people were building these, these pyramids. Um, and the pyramids themselves, they are, they're basically huge tombs where these pharaohs were buried. Um, yeah. So their bodies were meant to be there forever. And, um, so I think that uh, not very many people, but there definitely are some people, especially you can find them on the internet, <laughs> that guess yeah. that aliens built the pyramids. And I believe their reasoning is that what is incredible about them is that the pyramids are perfectly aligned north east south and west you know if any single block was slightly out of shape it would mean the entire pyramid would be skewed or slightly twisted or something but because they are perfectly positioned it's completely perfect and it's enormous um so people question whether you know we were actually able to do that i mean it is incredible thinking that At the same time as the pyramids were being built, we in Britain were building Stonehenge, which we think is the most amazing thing ever. And it is amazing. (laughs) You know, it's like an enormous, perfectly calculated... I
0: mean, people even think... That's actually slightly... That completely refutes our argument. People even say the aliens built Stonehenge. So that... (laughs) they made a really new cool discovery about Stonehenge the other day
1: yeah, I've um, exactly, I posted it on my Instagram um, it's a really cool discovery and it's so exciting because this, this Stonehenge is, is so uh, documented that you don't really expect a new discovery to happen but basically they found these a huge circle of these shafts into the ground that were also pretty perfectly positioned um, yeah. surrounding the village where they believe that the people who were worshipping at Stonehenge probably lived. Um, so the, oh, wow. so uh, yeah, so, um, and actually this is a case uh, that was discovered from new technology, which is exciting because I think beforehand they thought that these pits were just, you know, sinkholes or something, but only with technology could they realize that they were actually anomalies. Um, So, you know, we don't really know what the pits were, but they think maybe they were like a boundary to the village or, or maybe a warning to not come near or something, whichever way, it's cool to kind of get an insight into the minds of these people who, who, yeah, who were worshipping at this, at this amazing site.
0: Yeah, of course, because your your natural instinct is to always presume that it's it's a form of worship, is the reason why everything's built. But perhaps it was some kind of dance mechanism. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that story of how Stonehenge was bought cracks me up every time. I don't know if it's actually accurate, but I did hear that a man just went off to go buy some kitchen chairs in an auction and ended up buying Stonehenge.
1: <laughs> I haven't heard that one.
0: <laughs> Maybe. I like get a, a proper archaeologist degree, like facts, <laughs> a little bit of a grapevine rumor. <laughs> maybe. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring the conversation back to Atlantis because, well, I mean, it doesn't get more exciting than that. And it is, and it's often renowned as the most, like, single most important site of humanity because it was the mother of Egypt. And as we've mentioned before, a base of so much, um, mythology and civilizations such as Israel and Europe. So we all, we're always going to have these skeptics who say that this sunken city is a myth. But, um, Schliemann's excavation of the site of Troy, uh, uh the Trojan War being, being a technically a, well, a mythological story up until this, this myth became a reality because it, it serves as such an inspiration that actually what, you know, the excavations obviously aren't confirmed. Properly, but they have direct reflections of the Trojan War and like the defence mechanisms and like the type of structure of of the high walls of Troy and that kind of thing. So, was that as an archaeologist, does that sort of inspire more
1: and more exploration of places like Atlantis? I think for an archaeologist, the idea that they can they can find a place that's been spoken about in legends, you know, that's that's a pin. That's that would be incredible, wouldn't it? I mean Yeah, for example, there was an amazing, there's an amazing archaeologist um called Kathleen Martinez who we work with, and she is on the hunt for the tomb of Cleopatra. Oh wow, what a task. That would be nice. Yeah, I'm skeptical about Atlantis, but you know, there are real life Atlantis sites like Alexandria and everything that's buried under the sea. But for, for example, for the Cleopatra's tomb, I mean, that is, is definitely a possibility. So she's been searching for a while, but it's, it's really yeah.
0: exciting. It's like, no, cause I can just imagine it gets so frustrating when you're trying to tie so many things together. When, when like, let's say like 2% of scribes, well, there were 2% of people who were actually literate, I'm guessing maybe more, and you have so little evidence written down that these, discoveries have to provide so much information i can imagine it does get frustrating
1: definitely definitely i mean um i know on kathleen's site, they do keep finding more evidence and it's just so it's it's you know it's awesome they found they found a woman that was clutching um a bust of alexander the great which was incredible that's amazing yeah like as she died so she was found in that position And then they also found, um, they found a mask, which they think could be Mark Antony, Cleopatra. Oh, wowsers. Which would be really, really cool. When you say
0: a mask, Mm -hmm. what just his was he, oh wow, was, was Mark Antony mummified because he... He did die in Egypt. Um, no one knows because we've never found him, but I mean... He didn't exactly have like a happy relationship with the Egyptians would he have would he still have been mummified like would they still have
1: needed to honor his death uh could be i mean we re- we just re- we really don't know i mean um yeah he was with cleopatra the thing is at that point i mean cleopatra she was the queen of egypt but her family they they were greek really yeah. um so they had a complete mixture of greek and e- egyptian influences so we don't really know that's uh, another
0: another exciting impending discovery yeah exactly so um, another the last the last woman i want to talk about in ancient egypt is queen nefertiti because we've obviously touched on her a bit earlier before being a potential mother but now isn't but um she sort of rose to fame after her birth was discovered in 1912 and, um, would you, so you discovered this, this, this golden boudoir of the Queen of the Pyramids. And just a huge thing that sprang out to me was that her, like her curve, she's been depicted in art from since this moment with like an ideal of beauty and how she would want to be viewed. But do you think because the Egyptians did everything so symmetrical that she didn't actually have such a carved nose and her eyebrows weren't like on fleek? And just in general, as sorry, I'm probably rambling, but just a huge question of this is that are these accurate portrayals or would artists scrub away imperfections to make her look perhaps like
1: not so mortal? Ooh, good question. Um, Thanks. Uh, I, I think that there's actually quite a lot of drawings of her, of reliefs of her. So we, we actually sort of do know what she looks like. Um and it's pretty accurate. I think she was she was pretty beautiful. I mean her name Nefertiti means I believe the beautiful woman has come. So does it? Yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised if she really was that beautiful. I mean she's ugh, oh, I just think she's so stunning. <laughs> That's uh I have that with Cleopatra. Really?
0: Well not, not you, maybe, but the, the old the old <laughs> Cleopatra.
1: She's pretty
0: supposed oh, ugly, supposedly. <laughs> well, no, I, that's the thing. I would massively disagree with that because I think that the Romans wanted to illustrate her as being a, a sexual item and someone that Caesar and Mark Antony were sort of using like, to satisfy their needs. Yeah. Uh, she, I don't think she was necessarily a sex symbol. I, well, I think she was incredibly powerful and beautiful rather than just sort of like the Romans
1: painting her out like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I agree with that definitely. We love we Love Cleo. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so I'm going to I'm going to
0: move on to your next field of expertise which which is Pompeii because you uh, are excavating the site which I can imagine
1: I really recently haven't been to the ex- I haven't been to the through the streets that the Romans would have walked through and you know you would have filled up your water bottle at the fountain that Romans would have Build up their water bottles. I don't know why that really stuck with me, but it really did. And, you know, even in the streets that you walk down, you can actually see these grooves on either side of the street where the chariot wheels worn down the stone from having gone down.
0: Wow. And it was it, Yeah, it was amazing. It's Even though it is a, like a funeral-type place, like, that is a seriously alive sight. It is. Those yeah. sort of...
1: Uh, it makes you... Well, it really brings archaeology life because... I mean, for me, like if I go to a temple, for example, that I don't know much about, I, I can't get emotionally connected to it. But mm. I personally like looking at the human side of history. So to go in there and really imagine what these people were looking like, imagine how they were living. Um we were excavating the baths, so we yeah, so I would just think about these people who are coming to take their bath here. I mean, it was it was amazing. It was incredible.
0: Yeah. Really, actually, very similar to my opinions of history. Like, like, when I'm studying classics, I find the most exciting part of it, like, the emotions of these huge characters and, like, their everyday, like, their sort of mundane life, daily routine of Caesar and, like, the, and especially of Alexander the Great. And, like, also, like, the the social structures they were involved in. Me too. It, like, thing that humanizes the past and, like, reminds us again and again that these people... Even if it is horrendous, they did actually, they did actually enact this genocide, which they obviously was just part of something they acclimatized to at the same time. But we have to remember again and again that these people did actually exist. Yeah, exactly. That, exactly. That's, that's,
1: that's what I think as well.
0: So there's, there's obviously been, there have been these notorious, like, pinnacle moments in, um, Pompeii excavations and um a lot of that is thanks to the casting corpses the frescoes and the plaster like poured into the cavities and um what was it like to see them is it is it like har- is it like a harrowing experience is it really sad or is it something that's more like involved in in digging up the past rather than actually getting emotional about it or perhaps a combination
1: it's re- it's really sad I think there's the famous one is of the dog where you can literally see the dog like sort of writhing in pain. Yeah, um, well, they've got them all on show in in an exhibition inside the the site, and it's it's really heartbreaking to see them all because oh. literally they're captured as they've died in whatever captured as their skin has you know their flesh is burnt basically burnt to death. No. Um, and yeah, it's very moving. So so unlucky. We did we did um
0: we did Pliny the Elder for our GCSE text, and it was like while Mount Vesuvius was erupting, he was snoring so loudly. Did you did you did you do Latin GCSE? Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Probably the lamest question I've ever asked. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> did you laughed at GCSE, yeah. But um, but like, I just remember studying like this really. Incredible moment. And then you just writing down the fact that Pliny the other was snoring that, and so loud that everyone can hear his snores. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> well, that that is the end of my interview. It's been so, it's been an absolute delight. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's really fun. Remember to follow Cleopatra Dixit on Instagram. Just some promo. It is genuinely really exciting stuff.
1: Yeah, I love I love doing it. It's really fun updating, finding out all the archaeology that's happening today, all the mysteries in ancient Egypt. Love it. And I think everyone else would, to be honest, or <laughs> you need please take a long, hard
0: look in the mirror. <laughs>